Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me on my website, danarmistead.com, and follow me through my regular post under the heading of Church on the Edge on both medium.com and substack.com where I invite and challenge you to live life on the edge like Jesus. Philemon, Reflections on Christian Maturity. That's the title of my book due out later this month, and I've been reading chapters from that book. We come today to chapter 11, a chapter entitled Fugitives. And I begin that chapter with a quote from Acts chapter 26, verse 14. These are the words of Jesus as he speaks to Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus said this to him, It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Fugitivus. The Latin word for runaway gives us our English word fugitive, which describes a criminal on the run and in hiding. Onesimus, who stole from his master, was more than a runaway slave. He was a criminal who had stolen from Philemon. And yet, I can't help but wonder what else, or should I say, who else, Onesimus was running and hiding from. It's not much of a stretch to assume that not only was Onesimus familiar with Paul, but he was also familiar with the good news of God's kingdom for which Paul was in prison. And it was Paul who had led his master Philemon to faith in Christ Jesus. In his letter, Paul says this to Philemon, You owe me your very self. That's verse 19 in Philemon. Now, scholars are in general agreement that this is a reference to Philemon's salvation, which came through the teaching of Paul. On top of this, Philemon's home was a meeting place for the church in Colossae. Add to these things what we know to be the powerful, convicting work of the Holy Spirit, and we can't help but wonder if Onesimus was not only a fugitive from the law, but also from God. If there was anyone who understood what it meant to run from God, Paul did. As he traveled to Damascus with legal documents from the high priest of Israel to arrest followers of the Jesus cult known as the Way, Paul was knocked from his donkey by a blinding light from heaven. The voice of Jesus called out to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Jesus said this to Saul, It is hard for you to kick against the goads. A common expression in that day, it referred to farmers who used spiked sticks to drive cattle or oxen. Occasionally, an ox would kick at the goad, which would bring it even greater pain. The words of Jesus to Saul give us some insight into his conversion and, in time, his name change. Saul served as a witness at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. He had heard Stephen's message proclaiming Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. Not only that, but Saul heard the last words of Stephen as he asked the Lord to forgive those who stoned him to death. 
just as the Holy Spirit had undoubtedly tugged at the heart of Saul after he witnessed these things, that same spirit had worked to woo Onesimus through Philemon and the church meeting in his home. It takes one to know one. As someone who had done his own share of kicking at the goads, it didn't take Paul long to recognize that Onesimus was much more than a fugitive from Philemon. He was a spiritual fugitive, running and hiding from Jesus. As a former fugitive from the Lord himself, I can only say, been there, done that. (laughs) How many spiritual fugitives are there in our world today? men and women running from God. One of my seminary professors shared a story with me about a series of church meetings in which he preached the gospel on several consecutive evenings. One evening, as he came to the conclusion of his message, asking his hearers to trust Jesus for salvation, a man ran out of the church building. My professor was surprised when the same man returned the next night and committed his life to Christ. He asked him about it, and the man replied, saying, I've been running from God for a long time. This week, he caught up with me. (laughs) But not all fugitives can be found outside the church walls. Many are regular churchgoers who, like Saul, pride themselves on their religious zeal. They hide from God in the fallen garden of their religious duties, sowing the fig leaves of their daily devotionals, tithes and offerings, and faithful attendance, seeking to cover the nakedness of their spiritual condition. They give everything to God but what He really wants. And what God wants is us, all of us. He will be satisfied with nothing less. Salvation salvation through Jesus Christ is so much more than a one-time event. As a former Southern Baptist pastor, I was very familiar with the phrase found on the lips of many of my Baptist church members, once saved, always saved. Sadly, there is no theological support for this understanding of salvation in the Bible. Salvation is not limited to a one-time event that occurs at a moment in time. By its very nature, salvation in Jesus is ongoing. The Bible speaks of salvation not only as a past event, but as an ongoing process with a future fulfillment. We are, all of us, constantly in the process of being saved. And this process of salvation is intimately connected to what the Bible calls sanctification as we grow spiritually, becoming more and more the men and women God is calling us to be through Jesus. When we understand salvation only as a past event, we limit God's ongoing salvation in our lives, short-circuiting the process of spiritual growth and Christian maturity. And in place of an ongoing personal relationship with Christ, we substitute religious practices. Yes, these religious practices can be a sign of our ongoing relationship with God, and, and they should be a part of our lives, But that's not always the case. Sometimes they actually replace the relational aspect of Christianity, which is at the heart of our faith. I know what I'm talking about. I've done this very thing. 
I'm pretty sure we all have, is not that we've fallen into sin and disobedience. It's more like we've allowed ourselves to be distracted by everything else going on in our lives. And no, it's not like we've lost, quote-unquote, our salvation. But we have lost touch with the voice of God and the Spirit of Jesus at work in our lives. And the longer we persist in replacing an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus, with Christian sacrifice and duties, the easier it is to mistake these things for spiritual maturity. There's one more thing I need to say, and it's it's not easy. I've witnessed this replacement theology in the lives of many pastors and church leaders. In time, it leaves a hollow hole in their hearts. They may never commit any great sins, but in their discipleship of others, they pass on these substitutes for the real thing found only in Jesus through his Holy Spirit. When this happens... We create a church hive of busy bee Christians who in their busyness bear little fruit for God's kingdom. As one of my mentors once warned me, busyness breeds barrenness, and barrenness breeds busyness. Prayer. God help me to recognize the difference between religious duty and an ongoing relationship that seeks you. Set me free from the barrenness of busyness and restore the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Individual reflection, number one. Would you describe yourself as a spiritual fugitive before you trusted Jesus for salvation? Why or why not? Have there been times since you placed your faith in Christ that you have found yourself replacing God with religious duties? Number two, what are some ways you can root out busyness from your life to produce a healthier relationship with Jesus and produce more fruit for God's kingdom? Is some of this busyness found in church activities of which you need to let go? Group discussion. Number one, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. What does the phrase being saved in this context mean to you? Number two, read Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. What does the phrase you will be saved in this context mean to you? Number three, Why is it important for Christians to understand salvation as more than a one-time event? This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead. Rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider, And you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following him as his church on the edge.